Antarctica is the highest, driest, coldest, windiest, and emptiest continent on Earth. Every year, more than 400 scientists venture there to study everything from astronomy to microbiology. But they can't do it alone. It takes a small army of support staff to keep them all safe and fully operational. The Antarctic Sun podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes for the National Science Foundation to maintain the research stations and vessels that support ongoing science in the harshest continent at the bottom of the planet. This episode, MacOps. It's an early January morning at McMurdo Station, and Josh Young is trying to raise a research field camp on the radio. Golf 121, this is MacOps. Go ahead. Good morning, this is Golf 121 at Don Juan Pond. Four members of our team here, and all is well. Josh is a communications operator at MacOps, and it's time for the morning check-in. Golf 121, good morning. I copy that there's four members of your Golf 121 team at Don Juan Pond, and all is well. Uh, do you need anything from us this morning? Over. Uh, no, we're all set. We're going to back into the Okay, sounds good. Have a good morning, and we'll hear back from you by this time tomorrow. And MacOps clear. Short for McMurdo Operations, MacOps is the nerve center for field operations based out of McMurdo Station, covering vast swaths of the barren continent. And Shelly Campbell is the supervisor of MacOps. Well, we are a 24-7 communication center in the Austral summer, and we keep track of people that are traveling into the field. It could be people that are traveling by a tracked vehicle out onto the sea ice or the ice shelf just for the day, or it could also be people camping across the sound or people camping in the, big, in the deep field um, some of them hundreds of miles away, and they get there by aircraft, and we keep track of them. We hear from them once a day at a minimum, and um, also give them other support, pass messages, and things like that. With a range of communication systems at their fingertips, it's up to the operators at MacOps to keep in touch with just about everybody who isn't on the station. Well, it's funny. We have a saying that we are not your mother, but we still care about you, and I think that's fairly true. This is Rebecca Ricards, another communications operator at MacOps. Our, our role here is to keep people safe. So whether you're in the field or you're out on the sea ice, you, you call us if you run into trouble, um, but you also just call us at a predetermined time so that we can just make sure that everything is okay. So we keep track of people out in field camps, both deep and nearby in the dry valleys, and we also keep track of ice travel. So anytime a person or a vehicle goes out on the sea ice, they check in and out with us. The sea ice is a section of ocean next to the station that freezes over every winter. The ice is thick enough to drive vehicles and tractors over, but it can still be dangerous, so it's critical that people in the station know where everyone is at all times. On top of that, MacOps operators are also in charge of staying on top of who is at each of the numerous field camps around the continent, a list that is constantly changing. Yep, I'd say um, it's really important in this job to keep information organized. We have a lot of it. In some ways, it's really more of an administrative job than a technical job. Um, I think at the height of our season, we were following 24 camps. At this point, the season is starting to wane, so we have 13 camps out with a total of 94 people, um, which I think for this time of year is fairly normal. This is all condensed down to one central register of information. Yep, we have a list. It's pretty much a spreadsheet with the field camps that lists information like who's at the camp, what type of communications capabilities they have, and what time of day we're expected to hear from them each day. Uh, that is where we also record their most recent daily check-in, and we also can flag it so that if there's somebody coming up that's due, we're looking for that time and expecting it. 
And even though Shelley said that the job is more administrative than technical, there's still a pretty big technical side to it. Yeah, so we have um, a couple radio systems, HF and VHF radio. The VHF radio is for shorter range line of sight communications. We use that with some of the camps that are supported by vehicle or helicopter. And we also have HF radio communications, which is for longer distances. Um, it has line of, um, it goes beyond line of sight. We use that mostly for the deep field camps, which are fixed wing supported. We also talk to the South Pole Station on a regular basis. And we can hear transmissions as far away as Auckland, New Zealand, for their air traffic control there. And all of those systems are rooted through the central console, a sleek computer bank with a bevy of touch screens and radio receivers. So I'm, I'm not uh, very sci-fi, but I have been told this is a lot like the Starship Enterprise, which um, it's true. It's for, for being down at McMurdo, it's a very high-tech uh, setup, and it's actually brand new this year. We got to pioneer the new setup. The equipment, well, so basically we, we work off these three monitors. I have three things going at the same time. To my left here, this, this touchscreen is our actual communication board. Uh, and this is, you know, this side is our VHF and we monitor all these channels. We primarily monitor the Channel 3 and field parties. Channel 3 is the Mac Ops um, antenna and then the field parties are all the repeaters throughout the dry valleys and up on Erebus and out on Mount Terror um, that have broad coverage of the McMurdo sound. These repeaters are critical to being able to communicate near McMurdo Station. Handheld VHF radios, short for very high frequency, are the main means of communication throughout the region, but on their own they have some range limitations. VHF radio, for example, generally works by line of sight. So if two people can see each other, it's like a walkie-talkie, they can talk to each other. If there's a mountain between them and they can't speak to each other by line of sight, you can install a repeater on the mountain so that each of them can see the repeater and therefore talk to each other via line of sight through the repeater. So that extends the range of the coverage of the VHF radio. Um, and then over here, these are our HF radios and we monitor three separate HF channels. And always up on that third screen is that constantly updated spreadsheet. So this is our log. This is all the, the, the entries from whether it be field camp check-ins, regional checkouts. This is the way we keep track of like people on the sea ice. This is the way we keep track of um, the, the camps that are, are due uh, for their daily checks because we want them to check in prior to their actual scheduled time because uh, anything after that is late and that's sort of that's where we get out our emergency workbook and you know that's, that's, our, that's where we start getting concerned. These check-ins are serious business each day uh, we need to hear from each camp within a 24-hour period so they will have a, a stop time that we absolutely have to hear from the camp by and if they don't call in by that time we start a series of um, emergency notifications um, to to find out why they didn't call in on time uh, sometimes they've just forgotten but the worst case scenario is something has actually happened to that camp and because it has the potential to be so dangerous, the margins for groups checking out to go onto the sea ice are even stricter. Um, the window of time after you've missed your check-in, your, your pre-prescribed check-in time, um, is a little less forgiving. You have five minutes. So in that five minutes, we'll try to hail you on any, any means of communication possible. Each team typically has two ways of um, being reached, whether they're carrying an Iridium or they have their radio and we can reach them by VHF. Um, so we'll try each of those. If we don't hear back from them, we activate our emergency operations center and then we have a group of people that get together and 
make it a priority to figure out what to do next. So it happens pretty quickly. So there's a core group of six people that are instantly paged, and they will they will um, rendezvous in a room actually here in our in the building where we work, um, and they will start plans for um, maybe the latest coordinates we were given for the team. We also on those uh, sea ice checkouts we will find out the destination where they're going. This kind of mobilization is rare, and it could mean anything from a search and rescue operation, an emergency medical evacuation. Or worse. And the point is, without those check-ins, we don't know what's happening out in the field. And first and foremost, these check-ins are about safety, but there is more to it than just that. Uh, we're basically the conduit of communication and information for basically field camps to uh, various parties within McMurdo or foreign stations contacting us, vessels contacting us, uh, aircraft in the area that need uh, assistance beyond what Mac Center does, the air traffic controllers uh, as well. So we're basically the information hub of the station. So we actually, we become, I think, a resource for a lot of the camps. So we might not have the answers, but we know how to connect you to the people that do have the answers. So within any given workday, we're doing quite a few phone transfers. Um, and we have the ability, if someone calls in on HF or VHF radio, we have the ability to transfer them to an actual telephone on station. Um, we have the ability to transfer Iridium calls, uh, both to maybe a number in the U.S. or a four-digit extension here at McMurdo. And of course, a lot of times people aren't available, so we can take a message or we can set up a time later for them to speak to each other. So a lot of, a lot of times we just facilitate setting up a common time that they can both parties can be available to talk. We are also continuously updating the field camps on what the flight activity is for the day. We give them information about their expected flight schedule for the day, as well as cancellations, changes, which are very commonplace in our environment with our weather conditions here. And also, we very important that we let them know when there's an aircraft on the way to their camp, because um, oftentimes it's pretty impactful for the field camps, and they need to make sure that they're ready for that flight. A lot of people, when they're in the field, um, kind of see MACOPS as kind of their lifeline. Um, we are always available. There's somebody there 24-7 through the whole season so that anytime they have a concern, they can call in and they can get assistance from MACOPS. But sometimes that assistance is more than just finding out what the most recent flight plan updates are. You know, sometimes some camps just want to joke. You know, because sometimes it can be lonely out there and they just want to hear somebody else who's not else in camp and want to hear a funny joke. So. Do you have a go-to favorite joke to use? Uh, I have a current one. Uh, what state makes the smallest soft drink can? Minnesota. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and for those working in Mac Ops, it's an enrichment that goes both ways. Well, as we get busy in our day taking field camp check-ins and things like that, it's also nice to just kind of smell the flowers and think about what folks are doing out there in the field. Oftentimes, um, they have time to chat about what they're doing. Mac Ops, this is Rebecca. Well, hi, Lecor. I'm good. How are you doing? I had a check-in this morning uh, from someone that's um, out in a location called F6, and he mentioned uh, a, a tiny little snippet of the science they're doing today, and um, they're part of a team that's um, doing some algae research, and they're moving one type of algae and putting it in a new uh, 
a new host or a new stream today and he was so excited about it and I think that's the part that we get to be a part of kind of the the daily uh, science that's happening in the field so it's really cool to be connected. Cool. Well if you go over to Frixel say hey to Elizabeth. She's my roomie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well cool. Thank you for the check-in and uh, all <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thanks for that, Beth. Take care. Bye-bye. Of course, not all of the operators are able to meet every person before they go into the field. So sometimes you develop this relationship over the radio. You're talking to somebody for months. They might be just a small group of four people in a little tent camp. And they always come in with big smiles after they get back into McMurdo and they want to meet us and tell us like how helpful it was having that that supportive voice at all times available to them. So that's very rewarding. Keeping all the isolated field camps connected can be especially important around the holidays. Every Christmas we do radio Christmas carols over HF radios so that people in the field camps can hear caroling from McMurdo and McMurdo can sing out to the field camps in South Pole Station. Um, South Pole, you had a song you wanted to sing, is that correct? This year we had um, we had that advertised to the ham radio community, and we had ham radio listeners in Sweden and Germany that heard us singing over HF radio Christmas carols. MacOps operators' central role as stewards of information flow mean that they're deeply immersed in both the logistics and science sides of the program. I like the fact that I'm constantly in the know of what's going on in the program at any given time, and that's I think that's that's my main love of the job. What I've really enjoyed about about this position, and I think my fellow operators would concur, it's it's exciting to feel like we're connected to the deep field and or to any camp that's out there right now, even though we physically can't be there. We have groups that regularly go out and do penguin science, and sometimes when they do their check-in, we can hear we can hear the penguins in the background and ask them how things are going, and they can share with us some of their stories in the field. Um, what kind of penguin behavior they're seeing, what kind of dinosaur fossils folks are finding. There's a lot of really cool stuff there, and it's really special to be a part of it. That's all for this edition of the Antarctic Sun podcast, and stay tuned for more. I'll be bringing you more behind-the-scenes looks at how the National Science Foundation gets science done at the bottom of the world. And check out our website at antarcticsun.usap.gov for more news and science from the frozen continent. Thanks for listening.